Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. Happy to be back with you guys for another episode this week. We are picking up right where we left off last week, talking to another potential Olympic athlete, Eric Rizzovato. You might see him swimming for Team USA next summer when the Olympics hopefully resume. He was supposed to be swimming in the U.S. Olympic trials earlier this summer that obviously got postponed, and he is trying to make it to the Olympics after uh, what was kind of a trying time at the last Olympics in Rio when he was supposed to be swimming for Puerto Rico, and something happened to where that didn't work out. And he'll explain that story and how that actually has really impacted his walk with Jesus. So really excited to share this conversation with Eric with you guys. Hey, as always, the music is from my good buddy, Ryan Allward. Make sure that you go check out his new album, 72, that he put out on July 2nd, 7-2. It's a 70s covers album, so if you're into 70s music, you will definitely like that album. If you missed last week's episode with USA Rugby star Carlin Isles, I definitely recommend you go check that one out after you listen to this episode. Go ahead and subscribe while you're at it if you haven't already, and listen to the other previous episodes. But I'm so thankful that you tuned in this week. Hope you enjoy this conversation with swimmer Eric Rizzovato. Well, Eric, it's awesome to have you on the show. You and I have been talking a little bit the last uh, couple months, and happy to have you on. And right now, we should be able to be watching the Olympics. And obviously, with the virus going on, uh, we've got to wait another year. But as a swimmer and a swimming coach, how has this uh, season been for you I know you haven't been able to do as much as you'd like to and and you were hoping to be in the Olympics this year but what's this been like for you personally and as an athlete yeah so it's um well completely unexpected obviously I mean I don't think anybody saw this coming except for Bill Gates and everybody else who supposedly (laughs) predicted this two three years ago whatever uh but you know for everybody else I mean this is this was a shock I don't I don't know I don't know anybody who was not, you know, devastated by this or, you know, severely impacted their plans for life or plans for swimming or plans for work or plans for family or vacations or whatever it might have been, Um, you know, but overall, it's it's been quite interesting time for me, honestly. I mean, from a swimming perspective, um, you know, it was kind of nice to have the extra time I was kind of going through a lot and. I didn't feel like my training was at par where it normally is. And so um, to be able to have that extra year for me, I wasn't necessarily going to complain about. Um, And, you know, from a business standpoint, it was really hard because I had just started my business full time this past, well, I guess it'll be coming up on a year here in August um, and really had just started building some great momentum and, uh, you know, seeing a lot of growth and a lot of consistency. Um, and then to have this happen was just like a massive, you know, um, roadblock, something that definitely no new business wants to have to deal with. Um, but overall, I mean, I had a lot of support from my clients and, and, uh, I really, it was, it all worked out for the best. And, you know, the interesting thing is through this time, like I, I never at any point was like scared or worried. Um, you know, I really, like I knew. I knew kind of God had everything in his hands. And, you know, as we, if we go into my backstory, you see, it's like, this is kind of nothing new for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've, I've literally had the Olympics taken away from me before I have 
been here before. Most people don't deal with the type of things that I've had to kind of overcome in my life. And, um, you know, and so not some people have dealt with far worse, but you know, I'm, I, I'm very blessed that I've been through what I've been through because things like this are kind of like, eh, all right, here's another one, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, just keep on chugging along. And so I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, God had given me the, I guess, um, how would I say it? That he's given me like the knowledge that I need to know that I have to lean into him. Yeah. Um, in these times, cause it's really not like, Oh, I'm so strong. I can handle this. It's more of, I have been through these. I know really how weak I am. And I yeah. know that, okay, this isn't a time for me to think about my own understanding. This isn't a time for me to think that I'm going to get through. This is just a time to, you know, rest things at God's feet and let him handle them. So it, you know, it, it should be completely devastating. It should be absolutely terrible, but in all reality, it's, I've, I've had more good that's come out of all this than, than I really could have expected. So. I love that perspective because I think anytime something like this happens where we're thrown out of our normal routine, maybe some people that are listening have lost their jobs and Mm. there's been a lot of things that I think, I think every single person has been affected negatively in in a pretty significant way in 2020. I think it's just been a hard year for everybody. And even those that have strong faith in God have found themselves really struggling to have faith because, um, it's kind of a paradox there, but like you, you, you think you have faith and it's easy to have faith when things are good. And a lot of my episodes in the show have, have been talking about this uh, topic, you know, just idea of suffering and heartache and disappointment and how, you know, as Christians, like you said, we need to lean into him rather than go away from him. You know, maybe just uh, d- describe where, what, what is your, you know, I don't want to say background of faith, but um, what was your faith upbringing and how did you get to the point with your faith to where, that is how you feel. Cause you know, there's some people that depending on their faith maturity, when this thing happened, they may have used that as a reason to mm. fall back away from God. Whereas you're saying yeah. you actually leaned into God, which I think is obviously the, the correct approach. I guess, how did you as a, as a man get to the point where that was uh, your mindset during something like this? So, you know, yeah, that's always a good, a good thing. Cause I think we, 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 oftentimes wonder, I know for me, I was, I was seeking intimacy with God over the past couple of years and looking for what that meant. Um, and so I think we, we, we do ask as Christians, like, okay, how do you get this strong faith? How do you look like these, these people that supposedly have these great relationships with God and they're just, you know, leaning into him and letting him pour grace upon them and, and all of these things. And, like we hear in the songs and we hear, you know, when you're at church or whatever. And so um, I think what I came to realize was that most of that is fake. And most Christians that are in music and that are preachers and that are going to Bible studies are really drowning. And not only are they drowning, but most of what's coming out of their mouth is just regurgitated nonsense that, that sounds good. And I'm only saying this because I was that too, right? So it sounds good and it's easy to make yourself sound like a Christian, but it's, it's like, that's not real. And so what I had been, I I, I started finding that out and realizing that mostly through my own stuff, 
you know, when I, you look back in my past, you'll find, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, you know, parties and rock and roll. I mean, that's, that was the life that, you know, I lived and it was just this constant bouncing between, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And then, you know, being worldly. And so that is being a lover of the world. And so most people, you know, the, the narrow, the, the road is narrow. The path to destruction is very wide. And I think we forget that. And I think there's a lot of Christians who are in hot water, you know, and don't even really know it. And so more and more God had kind of been waking up my mind to through different things that had happened in my life, primarily through a large amount of anxiety and panic attacks that I had started having after I stopped using drugs. Um, and, uh, and, and these, I thought I was going to die. Like that's, that's what these panic attacks stem from. If I had some sort of sin in my life or whatever, I would, these panic attacks would just come up and they felt like heart attacks. Like my arm would go numb. My face would go numb tongue, like severe, like literally I'm like all heart attack symptoms. I'm like, I'm going to have a heart attack and die. That's what I thought. And I'm going to go to hell. And so on this, when this was happening, I started trying to press into God and trying to find answers. Um, and so I started, you know, go out. I'm like, okay, like I need to, I just started kind of looking at all these different like kinds of Christianity. I'm just like, okay, like I need to give a lot of money. Okay. I need to like do a lot of outreach. Okay. I need to pray for every person that I see. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And it just was bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and bouncing and started digging really deep into the Bible. And as I started doing that and I started going to different churches and I'm like, okay, like, this guy on stage is clearly just trying to make money. Okay. This guy is just like clearly just some guy up there saying that he knows what the Bible means. This is just like, it was just like, I knew that all of it was wrong. And I'm like, this is all so fake. They're making a mockery of God on stage. They're making jokes. They're doing all this. And I'm like, this is not like, like I'm really hurting and I'm really want to know who this, like who Christ really is and who God really is and what he really wants for us. I don't need your jokes. I don't need your mockery of God. And I don't need you thinking that you know everything about the Bible, you know? And so this led me on this road for truth. And through this, I was just, you know, leaning in, leaning in, leaning in, leaning in, not really knowing it because I was just searching more and more and more. Um, And all along, I mean, I would tell you that I'm a Christian. I mean, there's, there's never a point in time that I wouldn't been like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I'm not a believer or whatever. And so, um, yeah, so just kind of going through all of that, I, I just eventually found my way into Catholicism. Um, long story short, but <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into depth than that. But then when that happened, um, it's kind of when everything came together for me and I found this complete, absolute fullness in my faith. And, you know, via the sacraments and, and other things, it's like, I had finally realized what that meant. And when I look at the life of the early church fathers and of the saints and you listen to what they say and you listen to how they view their relationship with God, not one of them really believed that they were going to go to heaven and they lived their lives as if they were not going to go. So always fighting, always striving. Right. And so like when Paul says like fight the good fight to the very end, I'm paraphrasing that, but we all, we all know that first, right? You know, fight the fake, fight the fight, fight the good fight for the faith all the way to the end. It's like, that is not a like 
just go say your little prayer of salvation and then live about the rest of your life. Like right. that is a command that you are to fight and do not assume. I think, I mean, I mean so many Christians that like, I even had one person tell me one time, like, Oh yeah. Like we can just, you know, let's just like celebrate in our salvation. I'm like, I'm sorry. What, what, where in the Bible did, do you read that? It says you're guaranteed salvation. I, I don't remember ever reading that. I don't remember. And so I think that's the biggest problem that we have as Christians. It's very hard to lean into God when you think that because you've said a prayer that you magically are covered for the rest of your life and that you don't really need to do much more. There's no call to holiness. There's no call to change there, right? You can just kind of continue doing what you're doing. And so you don't need to lean into God if you don't need to change. Yeah. And so when you can actually look at your sins and say, these sins need to go, like my heart needs to be purified and it's not going to happen by me. And I'm reading, I was reading in Corinthians this morning. Uh, was it second Corinthians? Hold on. I might need to rip it out for you. And he's talking <laughs> about how it's like, I don't Lord, like I'm, I keep sinning. I don't have this power to do this. And it really spoke to me this morning. Let me rip it out for you since we've got the time. It's here in my journal. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so he says, you know, the Lord says back to me, he says, my grace is enough for you, for in weakness, power reaches perfection. And so if you don't have weakness, God's power cannot reach perfection. Yeah. And so if you don't need sacraments and you don't need graces, sanctifying graces, because you're just good to go. Well, then God's, God's power really doesn't get to reap the benefit in your life. And so when we do that, we basically are saying, and that's what I did when I, you know, as a Protestant, I was just, I have the Bible. I have the ultimate authority. I know all. And I can read this and I know what it says and whatever else it might be. And so it really was that journey that it oh, just turned me into a baby. Like I just turned me into a baby. Like I felt like I knew nothing, yeah. which as you'll you'll see about me i love being in those positions i like to like i like growth i'm a growth mentality kind of guy and so for me i'm always looking for okay i'm not good at this which is a great place to be because it means only way i can go is up so to learn learn grow 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 you've got information okay okay give me that give me that give me that give me that you know and and it's it's what's helped me become the swimmer that i am because I like to learn and grow when it comes to technique and those types of things. I'm always, okay, what can I change? What can I fix? What can I be better at? Yeah. Okay. Let's work on this. Let's work on this, let's work on this. And I, it's like an infectious thing for me. And so that's always been in my swimming, but now it's in my faith, yeah. which is really the only place that it is the most important. So it's really yeah. the one you need the most. Um, and so through that, yeah, it just, it wasn't like, again, it wasn't a me. It really wasn't like I figured out how to lean into God. It was like God, turned me into an infant and put me in a position where it was like, you don't have a choice because now you know nothing. And which is where he, you know, he calls us to be Christ calls us to be like children, you know, just I'm num, 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 just eat it all in. Just keep learning, keep growing, you know, keep digging in. So, uh, long story short, that's, that's where we're at now. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you hit on something that, that like, you know, and my pastor here has talked about it a lot where, you know, when, when we are saved as Christians, it, it should produce the fruit that we want to, to behave a certain way, you know, that, we, that we want to be, mm-hmm. you know, not, not saying like, oh, I'm saved, I can just go and do whatever I want. Like, that's yeah. not what, like, like, whenever we're saved, it should change our heart to where 
we want to live a certain way for God, not, not feeling like we have this free ticket to go do whatever we want. And I think there are a lot of immature Christians that that's the mindset they have is they say, okay, I've been baptized. I've been saved. Now I can, I have license to do whatever I want because I'm saved. And, and you know, and, and what God is saying, it's not like, you know, it's not giving you a license to do that. He's basically saying like, whenever your whenever your heart is given to me, your heart should change because you want to live the life that I have called you to live. You, you are able to experience the blessings that I've given you. So I think it's a good way to look at it. Like, you know, just cause you, you, you've been saved, you can't just go out and, I mean, we're, we're going to sin cause we're humans, but it, it's not like it's, it's, it's the desire to not want to sin is that I think that, that should change in our hearts. And so I think that's a, a good way to put it. And you, know, you mentioned earlier too, that you, have dealt with a lot of disappointment. We were talking before the show started about the previous Olympics in Rio and you were set in your mind, you were all set to go to Rio to swim for Puerto Rico. Um, and I guess kind of explain the situation that you were explaining to me. And on top of that, you know, that it's hard enough to get to the Olympics. It's hard enough to wait four years. I can't imagine the, the emotions you were feeling as you're about to board the flight to go down to Rio and they're saying, hold on, there's an issue. We got to sort this out. How did you get through that as, a, as an athlete, as a person, and, and as a Christian? How did, your, how did your faith get you through that? Hmm. Um, at the time, my faith did not get me through it. Okay. <laughs> well, fair enough. It, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's like going through those types of things without God is really what helped me come through what I can come through now with God. And so, you know, it's crazy because I've had the one thing, you know, I love the Catholic church, you know, more than, than anything I ever have. And, but the one thing I will, the one thing I do say is I get judged far more heavily in the Catholic church with my past than I did in the Protestant church. Because in the Protestant church, it's like, oh, you're so cool. You've got tattoos and you did drugs and you love Jesus now. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. You know, and it's like, um, and, uh, <laughs> you know. Hey, my, my pastor here did drugs. He's got tattoos. And yeah. to tell you, like, you know, he always talks about the moment where he finally, yeah. you know, came to Christ and all that. So, yeah, yeah I mean. Yeah. And so it's this, it, it is interesting. But they're, they're much a more pious culture, a lot more uh, traditional and, and prudence is, and, and it's something that I've learned too, because I am very like, uh, you know, I'll talk to a stranger on the street and give you, you know, like, Oh, I like your tattoos. I'm like, Oh yeah, I used to be, you know, and like next thing you're like, so I, I, it's, it's taught me stuff too, but it's been interesting getting that switch. And so, um, Oh, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So the whole point was that, you know, we look at, like in the Catholic Church, we have, we, you know, we look at all the saints. We really like to look at the saints as these great Christians. They're like role models, right? So it's like if you have a guy that you look up to as like a mentor, it's like we can look at these people's lives, like St. Augustine, um, who was my confirmation saint. But we can look at these guys and say like, wow, look at these, because they've all documented their lives, which is super cool. So you get to like read all their books and all their letters, and you can see like their thoughts and their views. Not only that, but you can watch it from like, like you watch it evolve, like, cause they have years and years of documentation. So you can see their faith evolve through their writings. And it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's mind blowing to watch, you know, it's almost like, yeah, it's like you have like a book of somebody's transformation through Christ. And, um, especially a guy like St. Augustine, who was kind of like me, he was parties and drugs and girls <laughs> and, 
whatever else and then becomes like a uh, he didn't become a priest but he became like a monk almost like a chaste man so he you know denounced sex and all that stuff and i'm like wow that's your here intense man you're good <laughs> and um but the 180 look, yeah right <laughs> getting to look back and you see like they they always have the saying in the catholic church like like the most corrupt people always make the best saints and it's true. And so, you know, we, we have, I remember I was listening to a priest and he was talking about how, um, you know, the more, basically the more temptation that you have, the holier you can become. Yeah. And, and this is why I feel like a lot of people don't understand like a guy like me, for example, who's gone through all of this stuff. And some people will look at it and be like, Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know if I want that around me, blah, 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 blah. Or, or girls that have dated the same thing or their family will judge me or whatever it might be. And it's like, but they don't understand. It's like, well, you like this guy that, like I'll tell someone, like, you, you like who I am now, right? Right, you think I'm this great holy person now, but, but you have to understand that the only reason that I have the ability to be this person or that you see the potential you see in me is because of all of this. Because had I not been through it, there's no challenges. The only way it's like it's like in the pool. The only way we adapt is through shock. Yeah. And so this is this is the same way in a relationship. And so in our relationship with Christ is like the only way that you grow is through shock in your life. And so if you're not willing to go through trials, well, don't expect to be purified and to be sanctified because. And, and this is, this is right. We live in a culture today, especially I think my, I don't know. How old are you, Cole? I'm 30. Okay. So you're kind of in that same, yeah. because I'm 26. You're kind of right there. Our generation really has a problem with being uncomfortable. You can, so I, we I, live, I, I was looking, I, I wanted to show you. So I tweeted this today. Yeah. Blessed is the one who endures trials. James one. Yeah, love it. <laughs> so like, and, and that's a verse that is, like, that's what I was looking up. I didn't want you to think I was on my phone. I was trying to oh, find the verse okay. that I tweeted, but it's like, that's a verse that I, that I, that I, that I really, uh, cling to. Cause I think you're right. I mean, and I, and I'm in the process of writing what I hope will become my first book. And it's all about suffering and a period of suffering I went through that had I not gone through it, I would not have, I would not have gotten to the relationship that I have with God. So I didn't mean to cut you off. I just was like, I I just tweeted that verse out today. So go ahead. Sorry. That's huge. That's everything right there. And so, you know, I mean, time and time again, whether it's Timothy or Paul or whoever's talking about suffering, and it's one of the things I love about the, the Catholic Church. So much. They are big on suffering. We have a saying called offer it up, right? And so it's, if you're going through a suffering, you offer it up to the Lord. Like, this, like and the Bible says, like, and it sounds so weird when I tell people this. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, the Bible says, like, God is pleased by our suffering. It's not that he's a sick, twisted guy. <laughs> he's like, ha, 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 suffer. It's not that, but it's that he's watching his children become better people and become more like him and stomp on the devil. And that is what we were put here to do. And so it's almost like when you go through suffering and you're like, oh, why me? It's almost a slap in the face to God because it's like, you do understand he's allowing this. Nothing happens to you that God has not allowed and he doesn't give you anything that you cannot overcome. So when you say that, it doesn't mean that you, you know, you might have to, you're gonna have to lean into his power. You have to let him come in and, and help you. But it's like, you, like, count it a blessing when you suffer not a curse it's something to be like and and that's where i've come through only because i've been through all that junk and i love like now 
looking back and putting all the pieces, like I can, like I've seen God kind of connect the dots through my life to where I am now. And I'm like, Oh, thank God I didn't go to the Olympics. Like, Holy cow, how different my life would be right now. And probably not in a good way. So, um, you know, it's like everything, you know, the whole, everything happens for a reason, you know, like, but it really does, you know? And so it's not that, no, it's not that I should have been sinning and no, it's not that I should have been doing drugs and no, it's not that I shouldn't have been, had guns pointed at my head. It's no, it's like, no, it's like I should not have, but God makes the best out of it. Yeah. And I wouldn't like, I just wouldn't trade it. Like I really wouldn't like, yeah. and so I get it all the time. And people are like, man, don't you wish? I'm like, no, I don't like to you on the outside. You look in, you're like, gosh, I wouldn't want to go through that. And sure, you wouldn't because God didn't make you to live my life. I mean, people. What, what, I, what I always think about when people talk about suffering is, first of all, Jesus suffered on this earth. Jesus endured all the emotions and feelings that we felt. And sure. one of the most, yeah. I, I, I'd say, actually, the most passionate prayer that Jesus ever prayed was in the Garden of the Gethsemane, right before mm. he was about to go get, be crucified. And he's praying to God that he would yeah. deliver him from the suffering that he's feeling. And yes, and, and if when, when people will. say, when, when people, yeah, if not, my, if please deliver me, but if not, your will be done. Exactly. And it's like, people don't understand. Like when God says he has the best plan for you, that doesn't mean that he's going to bestow you this multi-million dollar home, three cars, like his best plan for your life might've been not going to the Olympics. His best plan for your life might look different than the best plan for my life. And I think it's very hard for us on the earth to grasp that when we see our peers having quote unquote success or fame or fortune mm-hmm. and we're like why why would god not bestow that upon me and it's like what i've had to really come to is that whatever life that i have been given god has given to me and nobody else and and i've been writing a lot about comparison and contentment a lot this year too because i'd say suffering and then comparison and contentment are probably the, the topics that have been on my heart and my mind the most because okay. and i think that they're very similar because it's like when you're suffering it's hard to be content and you're comparing your suffering to everybody else's happiness. But mm-hmm. happiness is this construct that like, what is happy? And um, it's just, there's a lot of things that we could go into philosophically, theologically here. And it's like, I just, when it comes to suffering, I mean, I, I've just had to take the heart of, I'm going to suffer. And um, I interviewed a woman earlier this summer. Uh, her name is Nancy Hicks. And she was talking about this and she, she kind of compared it to, like I forget exactly how she how she compared it. It was something about a pendulum swing and how like you know suffering and happiness is kind of like the swing and mm. it's like it's going to come and go. And she's like, yeah. we need to just like welcome the suffering because that's the moments where we're going to grow the most. And I think about how a diamond is built out of fire. Yes. You know, uh, fine wine is built out of crushing of grapes. And mm. there are so many good things that come from something that, as an abstract, may seem bad or painful or horrible. Yes. And I think as humans and as Christians, you know, we grow when we suffer and we go through those times. Think about like, I I use this as kind of a rudimentary example, but you know, when you work out, you feel a lot of pain because Mm -hmm. what you're actually experiencing are micro tears in your muscles. Yes. But, But those tears are what make your muscles stronger. And so the more you work out, you know, that's what people say, like, oh, it's a good pain. Well, it's like, cause you know, you're, you know, you're getting stronger getting, getting better yeah. and getting better. And so I, I think, you know, when we don't, I think the way that, that Nancy explained it, she says, you know, like 
when we don't suffer, when we don't struggle, like we're not growing at all. And it's like an athlete. I mean, if you have a bad race, you're going to learn a lot from that race. You're going to know yeah. like, Hey, this guy beat me. I can go watch and see what this guy did to beat me. Now yeah. I know what to do again. So I think that there's, there's a, there's a lot of examples there that no matter what field or activity you're in, you know, you can, you can look at that and say like, you know, whenever I struggle, it's a, it's a chance for me to, to grow and a chance for me to get better. And I think what's hard is that the level of suffering that we experience on this earth is, is it varies. I mean, you could go anywhere from somebody in your, your life dying to losing a job to something mm. more minuscule, like, you know, a tree fell on my car, you know, something like that. But it's right. like, there's varying levels of suffering, but it's, it's, I think it's like you're saying, it's the way that you approach it. Kind of going back to 2016, just as an athlete standpoint, I wanted you kind of to share that story because before we were talking, yeah. before we recorded, you were explaining to me the whole scenario about how you got down there and there was an issue with the credential. Just explain that story for the people listening that maybe, you know, we, we sit and watch the Olympics on TV whenever we're at home. Oh yeah. We don't know some of those backstories and things that go into it, you know, all, and that's probably one of thousands of stories that, you know, oh. go into the Olympics. So what was yes. that? What, what exactly was that like? And, um, you know, how did you handle it? And eventually, as we're talking about now, how did you grow from that? So, yeah. So basically as I'm leading into the Olympics, I mean, uh, we'll tell even take it back to the summer before 2015 Pan American games. Um, that was my second, third international competition, um, outside of like the, the pro series, which is technically international, but not at this extent. So, um, yeah, so that's where I qualified. So I, you know, I had qualified for Pan Ams and then, and this is all coming out of like, I mean, you know, junior year of high school, I'm, I'm the number one sprint recruit in the nation. I'm the fourth fastest 50 yard freestyle in the history of high school swimming. I'm like 0.12 off of the national record my junior year. No big deal. Um, no big deal. But <laughs> uh, the, I might did not like, I, that was the 2012 Olympic trials. So I went there, you know, expected to make semifinals, you know, hoping to make the team and just absolutely like crushed, like just swam like doo-doo. And it was terrible because I put in all this time and effort, had all this hype around me. I mean, I'm talking radio interviews, television interviews all the time. I had like my own like radio commercial in town, like just all kinds of. And you were trying to you were trying to qualify for the U.S. team at this point, right? Yeah, at that okay. point, and I was like eight, 17, 18 years old. So yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and so that all happened, and led when, when that fell apart and it didn't work. I mean, swimming at that point was my god. Like swimming was my foundation, and so when that crumbled, there was nothing, and that's when a lot of the drugs and the girls and everything and the drinking all started. So like, I didn't even swim my senior year of high school, wow. uh, squeaked into like a junior college. Um, and, uh, and, and I didn't even yet. So I didn't swim, swam for like three months at junior college, you know, bunch of craziness happened there. That's where I met the mother of my children and, um, just madness. So I didn't swim. I left there, got kicked out of school, didn't swim for nearly a year and a half. Um, and then, when I started swimming again for Puerto Rico, I mean, you're gawking them. I went from living on my friend's couch to nine months later qualifying for the Olympics at the Pan American Games. So that ride, and I was like super on fire for God. And then as swimming got better, drugs started coming back in and then everything else. And so it was just like, 
was it just like the temptation of the fame and like yeah it's that it's it's the people you're around right so i did not expect that you know these top these guys that i'm hanging out with i did not expect that some of the best swimmers in the u.s were gonna be doing cocaine (laughs) <laughs> I, did not, I, did not I have, I have a guess I have a guess as to a few of them I won't say names but I have a guess you know, <laughs> yeah and so I did not know that these college swimmers party harder than the football players I did not know this and so walking into that and then I'm like you have a choice I made the wrong choice but you have a choice do you are you like everybody else or are you going to stand apart from the world? And so at that time, I did not stand apart from the world. And so that stuff started coming in. And so I ended up fourth place at Pan Am Games. And, um, you know, that was a complete and total mess. And I think, like, before I left, I think I, like, snorted a pain pill, like, two days before. So, like, you know, I had this, this – I would just self-destruct. Like, I would get close to it. I would just self-destruct. Yeah. You know, and like I sh- like I could have won Pan Ams. Like I was fourth. I missed the podium by like point zero five five hundredths of a second. You know, I mean, I missed a silver medal by a tenth of a second, and a gold by like point three. So was I capable of winning Pan Am Games? Absolutely. At that time, had I won it with the shape I was in, the money that would have came in, the endorsements, all that stuff, no, probably would not have been very good. Um, but I had the ability. And so watching how that happened and then qualifying for the Olympics, I guess in that state, that whole next year was kind of like, Oh, well I can just keep doing all this stuff and I'm still really fast. So no big deal. And I was still swimming really fast. Yeah. (laughs) That's that, that was the bad part. I still was swimming (laughs) really fast all year. I was swimming. I had the fastest year of my swimming career. I mean, I, I went sub 23 within that year and a half over, which is a crazy fast, you know, being under 23 seconds. A lot of guys that are faster than me don't even go those times all the time. And I was I literally, I counted it out like almost 50 times in a year and a half, which is basically doing, basically going to sub 23, 50 long course meters, like twice a month, sometimes, you know, 22 mid 22 low. So it's like, I mean, all the time, you know, and, yeah. and, and again, and, and, and again, nine months prior, I was on my friend's couch working as a valet. So looking at that and it was just fueling the ego. Right. And, uh, with more ego came more messes, you know, came more troubles. And so, you know, all the time I was trying to get back to God, like, but I just was stuck in this world. And, um, so again, it was kind of another situation where God had to rip all that out from underneath my feet yet again (laughs) um and kind of say like look like swimming can't be your god it cannot be your everything like i you know and i've come to realize now it's like um basically i realized i'm like okay god like i used to really believe like i had to swim for god because if i didn't swim like i was like god was like not gonna be happy with me or like he wasn't going to bless me, you know, whatever. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, wow, God does not care if I swim or not because I'm not going to get to heaven's gates. And he's going to be like, gosh, you swam so fast, Eric, come on in. <laughs> like, I think I really had this idea that I needed to swim because if I didn't, like, 
God wasn't going to be happy with me because this was my gift. And it's like, that's not the only thing I'm good at. Like I've got plenty of other things I can do in life, you know? And it's more about how you use the gift and how good you are at the gift. Yeah. Yeah. And there was not, I mean, yes, I, you know, I've had people tell me that I've, you know, inspired them and things, but looking back on it, I'm like, man, like, did I really do that? I mean, God used it. Sure. But you know, he always does. And that's the thing that's even when people are, you know, even when people are in Hollywood or whatever, it's like, you know, we, I know, even if you're completely not, even if you're not godly at all, I know, like, we know where the gift came from and we know like where it truly lies. And so sure. God used what I was doing for whatever he used it for, but me in and of itself, I was not doing, I was not being fruitful with that gift to the extent that and, and so, um, yeah, so you had to chop, chop my block off, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. So when that happened with the Olympics and I got the phone call and I, that I wasn't going, you know, 10 hours before, you know, that, oh, it crushed me. I remember just crying and banging my head on the wall and just like falling to the ground. And so, but all in the same time, like, oh, like this is not like, like not to say like I deserved it, but I kind of did like, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, gosh, like what, you know, it's not like you had been this, you know, super holy guy. And then like yeah. every, you know, like, no, like you kind of really <laughs> screwed everything up. So, um, but looking back on it, I'm like, okay, through all of that and then, you know, coming to Tennessee eventually and, you know, starting to swim again past two years, I mean, like where I'm at now, I'm like, I'm at a point now where I'm like, okay, like if I don't ever get back to that level again, it's totally okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever God wants to give me, like however fast he wants to make me, great. I'm not like, you know, I, like my goals now when people ask me, like, okay, like what do you want to be known for? I'm like, I want to be known as a man of God above all else. And then I want to be known as a great father and a great husband. Yeah. And those are my three missions in life. Yeah. Get to heaven get my family to heaven. That's it. Like everything else is icing on the cake. I literally don't care if I have to go work at McDonald's to pay my, whatever I like, not that, I mean, I have a good business, but like whatever, like the whole point is that I don't, wherever God wants to take me, that is fine now. Like I don't need to go to the Olympics. It doesn't, doesn't need to happen. Like it's not, it's not like my life. Yeah. Like if I don't get this, my life isn't complete. It's like, no, it's like whatever God wants. It's like, yeah, cool you know so what's interesting about that season is you were explaining it to me earlier i mean so you, you're you were kind of in this season of life and i don't know i mean you mentioned the drug use and that stuff i don't know how close up to the olympics that was going on but it's like it would make sense given what you're telling me like oh they found maybe you didn't pass a drug test and that's why you yeah. came to the olympics this was something yeah. that was almost more like a paperwork issue because you were i guess first how did you get uh you were you were swimming for puerto rico so i guess kind of explain that for people who don't understand, like, you know, you're from the U S but you're still able to swim for Puerto Rico. I guess kind of explain that process and then maybe explain what the paperwork issue was that did ultimately keep you from there. And yeah. Um, yeah. I guess. So they, yeah. That's okay. So that's the way that works. is like, so I have, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. So I have, okay. my grandmother was born and raised there. And so I have, and so with that lineage, I'm allowed to represent the country. So Puerto Rico has their own Olympic Federation, even though they are an American territory. Right. Um, so now some don't. Like I know there's a couple other American territories that do not have their own federation. So 
Puerto Rico does. They have their own Olympic teams, own Olympic committee. Um, so what would have needed to happen when I switched? Because I swam for the U.S. junior national team, that made me a U.S. national team member, technically. So they needed to basically develop a residency in, the, in Puerto Rico for me, whether that's an apartment, whatever it is. And I needed to live there for like six months or something like that, which totally would have been doable for me. Like at the time could have done that. Yeah. Not a problem. Could have moved there for six months, you know, whatever, had an apartment, whatever I needed to do, could have done that. But either they didn't know that that's what needed to be done or like it, the, just the Federation in and of itself, the swimming Federation was a big mess. And it has been for a very long time. And so I, you know, I dealt with all kinds of things. Like I would never like the, the, the matter is like, I love to Puerto Rico. Yeah. I would go back and do it again. If I could, um, I would do it again right now if I could. Um, but there's just a lot of, there was just a lot of issues that I guess either they didn't know about or they tried to ignore or yeah. whatever it was, but I took the hit for that. And so, um, yeah, so basically that's what would have happened. So when FINA or whoever investigated, they basically looked at it and were like, well, you know, this is not, uh, this is not good here. So <laughs> yep, <laughs> you're done. And I was like, great. It's that it, sounds, easy. it sounds a lot like a, uh, like when, when athletes transfer in high school sports, they have to live in the district for a certain amount of time. Yep. Otherwise the district says, nope, yep. can't play for that school. So yep. it's kind of like that, but international, just, but internationally. Yeah. And you're dealing with, uh, and you're dealing with people's income, income and sponsorships and a <laughs> yeah. chance at the Olympics. Cause you I mean, yeah. the Olympics happen yeah. every four years and exactly. when you're in the prime of your athletic career, you really don't yeah. know what could happen in the next four years. I mean, there are like, I, I mean, I've, been reading a lot of books about baseball I'm a big baseball guy and they're talking about just um you know how guys have reinvented their swing and they end up having yeah. like one good season and then the wheels fall off after that and it's like for an athlete that does an olympic sport if your prime is right there during the olympic year and you don't get to play yeah or swim you know play swim whatever yeah. your sport you know does um then, then it, yeah you may lose out and so that's why like i think this year can probably be detrimental for a lot of Olympic athletes because there yeah. might've been some athletes that they were ready to go. And in the next year, something may happen where in 2021 they can't participate. And so I was right. talking the other day, I interviewed Carlin Isles, who is on the USA rugby team. And sure. um, he was just talking about like, he has an approach with it where, you know, for him, he's like, this is another year for me to get better. This is another year for our team to get healthy. Um, and I think that's a great approach. Mm -hmm. I also know the reality of sports that, you know, somebody could tear an ACL next week and they, won't be, able to, they, then they won't be able to play in the Olympics. So, right. so, so you were trying to qualify for the USA team this year and the Olympic trials were supposed to happen at the beginning of July. And those did not happen obviously because of the virus. So how yeah. are you handling this and how, how are you going to handle the next year as you prepare? And, you know, obviously you want to put the, the 2016 Olympics behind you and, look forward to this next one. Um, mm -hmm. so, so how are, how are you using this next year and this season of life to kind of prepare to, I guess, I guess to cope with the, with the fact that the Olympics aren't happening and then to yeah. prepare for the fact that they're happening hopefully next year. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just, I've had so much that I needed to work on, like so much as mentally and physically so much has happened to me throughout my swimming career. I, I'm not for as fast as I am, 
I'm not all these other swimmers that have been swimming consistently since they were seven years old. Yeah. I started swimming at 15. By 17, I was a junior national champion. Jesus. And my stroke has changed three, four times in my swimming career. Yeah. I like, I'm just now getting to where my technique is actually where I want it to be. And all throughout that I have had the, the longest I've swam straight is three years. So whereas everybody else has been going consistently year in and year out yeah. for 15, 20 years, like I have accumulated maybe 10 years of actual swimming. Wow. And so for me, like, I don't like, I wouldn't even stop even if like, I'm not going to like, I'm, I probably the want to swim for another 10 to 15 years. That'll probably put me on the same playing level as everybody else. Yeah. And so for me, I look at it and I'm like, I feel like still a big baby in the sport of swimming. And although I'm considered a veteran, like even people that are younger than me have been swimming longer than I have. And so for me, I'm like, man, like I've got so much more left in the tank. Like I'm not even physically burnt out, you know what I mean? And so it's like, I still have so much to learn. I'm having like a reshift my mental focus because I went from being this ego maniac you know, that just could take on the world to like not wanting to be that guy anymore. So then it's like my confidence went way down and I don't want to bring that guy. I don't want to bring that guy back to get that confidence. Right. So I'm kind of having like reshift my confidence to a godly perspective and not a, you know, Eric's the best swimmer in the world, even though, you know, I think that I am, but like Eric's the best in the world and like screw everybody else. Like I can't, like, I don't want to bring that guy back from high school that pissed everybody off. Right. You know, <laughs> and made everybody, all the college coaches not like me. Like I don't need to be that guy anymore. So it's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's tough for me because I'm, I'm battling all of these, like, like I'm battling I want, I, I want to please God above all else. And I, so I don't want to get back into that worldly Eric. Yeah. And, but there's hard because there's pieces of him that were really good. And so I'm, I still have not found that those pieces that I'm, I can take back and the pieces that never need to come back. Yeah. And so it's, it's a very, it's, it's a, something I really struggle with. Um, and I think it's like, man, I'm like, and so it's even hard for me to physically continue to push my body to that level. Cause I'm like, I know I'm like, if I start getting fast, I'm almost scared to be back there. You know, like I'm scared, like what's going to happen if I, if I do that, Yeah. Um, you know, what am I going to become? Am I going to go back? And so it's like, for me, I think this was such a great time because it took my faith to a place like where I've always wanted to be. And although it's, always growing and I'm you know you're never fully satisfied with it like I'm very happy with where I'm at with my relationship with God and I love watching that growth and so I'm like I will like God I will choose this over swimming yeah any day of the week and yeah. so it's a it's it's a very it's a real struggle for me because I'm like man I, and I, I've, I've thought about retiring I'm like okay maybe maybe this is just God's way of saying like we, we mentioned this earlier I got to touch on this before I go forward but you know it's like okay like well Johnny on the street has a million dollars or they've got this nice car right so we look at it like well, why isn't God giving me that well first off God's goal primary goal is to get you to heaven and so what we don't understand is when we look at what other people have it's like if God gave you that 
would that lead you into a life of sin? Because if it would, he's not going to give it to you. Yeah. And so like I mean, maybe you can't take any of that with us anyway. So it's like, right. You, know, you, you know, can't like take any of it with you. Right. And so ultimately it's like your primary goal needs to get you to heaven. And so if God does not want to give you things that are going to put you in a, like what, what I might do with a million dollars, just as an example, what I might do with a million dollars and you might do with a million dollars are two different things. Yeah. And so, God might give it to him because he can be a good steward of it and not to me because I'm going to blow it on, you know, stupid stuff or whatever. And so there, we have to understand this. And so when I look at it, I say, okay, did God not provide me, Did God not give me the Olympics and give me these things because he knew what road it would take me down. And can I be okay with that? Yeah. Can I you think- be okay? God does not give you what yeah. you desire earthly. Yeah, I wrote something last year that I that I hold very dearly to, and um, you know I was dealing with some disappointment in my own writing career, and I I had the approach, and it just probably was something that I was taught at some point, but it was kind of an epiphany. I just was like, you know, when you think about it, there's really, in my opinion, and people listening may disagree, people that you know are more theologically sound, but in my opinion, like there's no there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer because if I if I pray something to God and he doesn't give it to me. It doesn't mean that he doesn't hear me. It's basically him saying Mm -hmm. like, you're praying for something that is not my best will for you. Like we don't know what God's best will is for us. And so if I pray, God, I want this job. And, and, and like, that's not what God's will is for my life. Him not granting that doesn't mean he didn't answer my prayer. It means that maybe he's protected me. Like you're saying, like from something else that I didn't need to be involved in. And so I think whether that's money, whether that's, social media clout whether that's um just any sort of like attention or fame something that could easily inflate our ego and our sense of self-importance i I think you know those are very dangerous areas to get into because as humans we can easily start to fall in love with ourselves and our our own successes and forget who gave us that skill or those those successes and i think what you're saying is true and i I think it sounds like where you're at now as, as a person and as an athlete much more mature, both as a person and in your faith. So, you know, if you, if you do get to that level of success, you know, you, you know, like the, you know, how you got there and, and, you know, you know, like you're, you're, I think it sounds like you're able to give thanks to God for those skills rather than being like, Oh, I'm Eric. I'm the greatest swimmer that's ever came on this earth. Um, yeah. You know, um, that, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like, yeah. it sounds like you know, your faith and your, and just yourself it, much more mature, which, um, but, but I guess in the event, you know, say, say you do have a great year and you start to feel your mind creeping back into, you know, kind of the person you used to be and you don't want to do that. I mean, um, have you thought about like the contingency plan of how you're going to handle that? I mean, obviously I assume it's going to be a lot of prayer, a lot of talking to God, but, um, do you have people in your life that are mentors that, you know, maybe can help keep you grounded as well? Oh yeah. <laughs> Basically everybody that knows <laughs> that knows me yeah. <laughs> like yeah everybody that knows except my family I mean it's everybody that knows where I came from yeah kind of knows that so um yeah it's 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 interesting because a lot of people don't you know recently I think within the past year I kind of felt God really telling me it was time to tell my story and um so I and when that happened I just people more people asking to do interviews and podcasts and stuff and but not like major like swim like I used to do a lot of interviews with swim swim like a lot which is like the major swimming outlet yeah and 
um, especially leading up to Olympics was, you know, a hot topic. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting now when I kind of felt like, all right, it's time to tell my story because most people don't know, like a lot of even like the coaches that don't like me, like as college coaches, like a lot of them don't, like they knew that I was just this egotistical kid, but they don't know that like, that's just the way I was, like I was, that was drilled into my head. A lot of good athletes are like that as teenagers. Yeah. Whenever you're at it, yeah. when, you're, when you're playing your sport or you know, swimming, playing your mm-hmm. sport um, at a really high level, it's very easy for teenagers, especially whenever colleges yeah. or even the professional ranks start, start yeah. coming. Cause I saw it as a teacher. Uh, we had kids that were, you know, getting recruited by high level colleges or even um, getting scouted by major league baseball scouts, that kind of thing. And, and some kids, it's not a big issue, but like, you know, some kids, they can really start even like the first letter they get. I mean, think about like a freshman in high school, you get like right. an invite to a camp, kids uh-huh. are walking around. Oh, uh, university of Tennessee contacted me. It's like, okay, they sent that letter to hundreds of kids because they want your money it's not that they're interested in you so it's like it's very easy to start getting this inflated sense as Uh an athlete you know I remember like I was a a tennis player in high school and I was a fairly high level player for my area but I didn't have any D1 college colleges coming after me but the, Mm -hmm. the, the the few small colleges that I did have come after me you better believe that I was letting people know that oh such and such was contacting me to play tennis there and um it's just very easy that even just a little bit of like feeling like you're big time can, can inflate your, oh, yeah. and then whenever you really are big time, it's like even yeah, more, right. boom, your head. Well, and my first letters came from Stanford and Auburn. So like, <laughs> <laughs> and like Ivy league, like everything I was like, I mean, yeah. And so like, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, like you guys just don't, there's people you're looking at somebody and I do, you know, I really try not to judge people now. And I look and I'm like, man, like, I don't know their story. Like, they don't know that like I was heavily bullied and grew up getting, you know, walking home and getting beat up by four kids and, you know, like stuff like that. And so when I came into swimming, it like, and I was good at it. Yeah. And I start getting like affirmation from my dad and then from my peers that I never got before. Like, of course, you know, but it's like, they, yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, I'm like, you know, part of it's like, okay, like, you know, it's not a, oh, well, like, all right, it's not like an excuse, but I just want people to understand. It's like, listen, I'm not, I did, like, this isn't, I'm not, I wasn't being a jerk and I wasn't being this because this is who I am. It's just because this was what I knew. And it's like, you know, it's like my desire has always been to love and to help other people. And so, and always really just to be accepted and, you know, get affirmation from my peers and which is what everybody desires. But you know, and so, yeah, so I felt like there was this, this point where God was telling me to just tell my story. And, you know, f- like if I look, if you look through all of like everything that I've been through and we've only kind of, you know, touched the surface, but yeah. when I look back on all of it, you know, there's not, you know, my dad's always just like, well, if you had just listened to me or if you'd just done this, if you'd just done that. And it's like, to me, it's always just like, a, but like if I, if everything that I went through, if all of that, mess helps one person is it not worth it yeah and so i think we have this idea that it's like man like my life is for me no it's not and 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 we'll look at what we're going through like even with the coronavirus it's like ah coronavirus happened to give me another year of training god did that 
Like, <laughs> like think about like we like we're in this movie. We think we're in this movie, and like we're the main character. It's like really not. Yeah, you know, it's like it's always for God's will, and so it's like what might happen to you and what's in your life may actually not even have anything to do with you and everything to do with the salvation of another person. Yeah. You're just a drop in the ocean that created a ripple, a, ri- a, a ripple that may have started a wave somewhere else. Yeah. And so it's like, when we look at it and we actually believe that like the things in our lives are happening only and solely for us, it's kind of a very selfish thing. And so I look at everything and I'm just like, okay, well, Lord, you brought this to me and you did this for me and, and whatever. The litany of humility is a really big prayer that I like to say, you know, just trying to just be humble. And I think at the very end, it says like, Lord, you know, may I, may other, the whole, all of everything you go through is Lord, may other people be above me. May other people be, may, you know, like other people be desired above myself. And at the very end, it says, may other people be holier than I am as long as I am as holy as I need to be. And so just going through that and it's like, some of it's like, Oh, I don't know if I want to say that. Like, what do you mean that other people have more money than me? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, there's certain things. And so it's like, when we have these tendencies to cling on to our worldly values and our own desires, and it's like, Lord, let your desires be above my own. Yeah. It's like, that's it's a hard a thing for, that's a hard thing for competitive athletes to do that too, mm-hmm. to be humble because you see your success and, it's natural to want people to appreciate your success. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, so dealt hard. I've dealt with that. Like as a tennis coach, I've dealt with that too. Like I actually just wrote something a few weeks ago about um, a friend of mine, Luke Norsworthy wrote a book. Uh, I had him on my podcast back in May, but he wrote a book called befriending your monsters. And, and one of the monsters he talks mm-hmm. about is uh, the monster of more and how we always are desiring more and this quest for more. And, I wrote about that, about how, you know, last year as a coach, I took our, my tennis team, I was coaching a high school tennis team in Indiana, and we were undefeated, first undefeated season in the school's history. We were going to the state finals for the first time in school history, and we were ranked number 10 in the state, never been that high. Um, you know, we, it was a banner year for the team, and we ended up going to the state finals. Our only loss of the year was to the number one team in the state who ended up winning the state finals for the fourth year in a row. So, you know, there are a lot of teams in the state finals that we would have beat, but we had to play the team that was the best. So I thought we had, you know, we had, we had a great year and I was super excited about it. I had three kids that were on the all state team. um, And it just was a banner year. Hmm. Um, But then I did not win district coach of the year. And I remember leaving that meeting because I knew that it was my last season coaching in Indiana. And for me, it was like one of those things where I needed that award to validate who I was oh, yeah. as a coach. Cause I saw all of my, all of my colleagues and coaching friends had already won that award in their career. I had, I, I'm the, I'm the only coach in Evansville, Indiana, who has taken a team. Like, I, the last two teams that have gone to the state finals in Indiana, I've coached them mm. at, at Evansville. I, I, I'm the last, I'm the last, let me, let me rephrase that. The last two boys tennis teams at Evansville, Indiana that have gone yeah. to the state finals, I was the head coach for them. And I'm like, I didn't win. And I was undefeated both times I went to the state finals with my teams. And I'm like, I, I, I came home, I moved to Kentucky, and I never got coach of the year. And it was one of those things that I just, I needed it to validate me. Mm-hmm. And I had, to re, I had to recalibrate and just be like, that isn't who I am. Like, that's not, I, that doesn't need to be 
like I don't need to be quest I don't need to be searching for the next greatest thing I need to be appreciative for the success that I have and so I think like even for me as a coach especially as an athlete humility like you're talking about is an incredibly incredibly difficult thing and it's it's definitely a fruit of the spirit and I think it's something that whenever we are truly in line with God it, it comes out naturally and I think um not that being competitive and being upset if you lose or, you know, being disappointed is bad, but I think it's what you do with that disappointment that I think, you know, is the important part. And I think like you're saying, humility is, is incredibly important. So I'm impressed somebody like you that, that swam at a high level, you know, that's something that you're focusing on, you know, especially as you head into hopefully what will be the Olympics next year, yeah. um, you know, cause you don't know, I mean, you, you may, there's a lot of competitive swimmers in, in the United States. I mean, we are yeah. a very good swimming country and, like, like you were talking about, I think it was before we recorded maybe, but you said how, um, you know, basically the, the U.S. Is, is in certain heats and certain events is deeper than what you see in the Olympics. Yeah. So when it can be. And it's like, I was just thinking, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but. No, you're fine. Um, I was rambling on anyway, so. You're <laughs> I do too. Um, you know, as I was kind of just thinking, I was like, man, it's, I think for me, being able to go back to trials eight years later and being able to just go and actually like have fun and experience it. Cause last time I was there, it was just like, it was, it wasn't, I just didn't get to have fun. You know, I didn't really enjoy it. I think this year just well, like, I felt take, a lot of pressure too. Yeah. There was so much pressure and I'm like, and there shouldn't have been, I was 17 years old. Like, you know, I was already doing, I was already like, I was already there. I'm like, I'm just already doing things that, guys my age weren't doing so it's like that should have been enough you know yeah and I think just letting that be enough the fact that it's just like because even like today people are like oh, you're going to Olympic trials I'm like yeah it's not a big deal like we're like oh you have your cut I'm like yeah I mean I literally can do that with my eyes closed but like you know because to me I'm like it's when you're trying to reach this I'm like yeah like everybody to me I'm like everybody goes to Olympic trials I'm like it's not that big of a deal but no they don't and so that's I have to like yeah. you forget and I think just this time being like okay let's go let's let's just make semifinals okay all right let's let's make finals and it's like enjoy whatever I produce instead of being like oh if I don't produce this anything less than this is not acceptable because yeah. it's like but it is yeah. <laughs> you know and so it's like it's not this there's these two different things between having a champion mindset. And of course I believe in the best in the world. Of course I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't like, I would not have been going through all of that crap and I would not still be swimming today and going faster than I ever had. I would not have gone through everything that I've come through. If I did not believe that I was one of the very best in the world, if not the best in the world, that would be like, come on. Like yeah. this road has been, this road has been ridiculous. Yeah. And so it's like, of course I believe that, but at the same time, it's like, okay, like it's just a sport. It's just swimming. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to make me a hundred million dollars. <laughs> it's yeah. not basketball. It's not football. It's not, you know, whatever. And so it's just like, it's, it's what I love to do. And I'll probably still be racing and competing when I'm 55 years old. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so whatever my youth produces, it produces. And of course I give it my all do my best and some years are better than others and you know yeah. just just make it happen that's it do what you can do that's it so 
Well, the final question I always like to ask guests on this show, the show is called In No Hurry. And the idea is basically, you know, no matter what field we're in, no matter what activities we do, we always pretty much live a pretty busy life, pretty crazy life. And I think it's hard for us to slow down sometimes. Maybe not so much now in the season of coronavirus, but typically it's hard for us to create spaces to slow down. And, you know, whenever you realize that your life is kind of getting a little hectic or crazy or out of hand, what do you do? What are maybe some go-to things that you do to slow down and just sort of refocus and relax a little bit? Yeah, prayers. Prayers big for me. Um, I love I love praying the rosary. It's it used to be my absolute least favorite thing. And I, you know, before as a very anti-Catholic person beforehand, I was like hated Mary. And I was like, that's terrible. Also that some of that stems just from like my experience with women and my experience with my mother not being around and yeah. things. Like that. And so it's become my, my most favorite. So when you pray the rosary or meditate, you're meditating on the mysteries of the faith. And so there's five different sets of mysteries and, my favorite one is the sorrowful mysteries, which is meditation on the, um, the passion of the Christ. Basically it's the agony of the garden. It's the scourging at the pillar. It is, uh, the crowning of the thorns, the walking with the cross and then the crucifixion. And so for me going through these mysteries and meditating on them is, uh, it's a huge way to just step back, but it's, yeah, you know, it's it's easy to just, I think some people look, it's big to do like a daily rosary in the Catholic faith, but like, it's easy to just go through and just say the words and just, and it's like taking a step back and listening to what you're saying and seeing those mysteries in your mind and understanding like what the Lord did for us. Yeah. And it's like, it didn't just end there. Yeah. Like it continuously done for us over and over and over and over again. And I know a lot of people that are very anti-Catholic, myself included, are like, oh, like the sacrifice of the mass, the sacrifice was already done. And it's like, well, yeah, it was already done, but it's like, sorry, but you continue to still sin. <laughs> you don't think that that sacrifice is daily renewed over and over and over for you? Like, Yes, it absolutely is. And it's like, and you need that grace poured out upon you over and over and over and over and over again. It's like, you need that. Like, we need that. That's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like that, that grace is what calls us to change. And it's what calls us to push forward. And I, so like, you know, so we're in my prayer chair right now. This is, I've got all my prayer books and everything here. Prayer chair, I love it. Yeah. So this is where I, I come in the mornings and I sit and um, I do my meditations and my devotions and my, you know, Bible reading and all that. And so it's like that setting your day off there, taking that time and being like, okay, God, I've got nothing else to do but be here with you. And I don't remember who told me this, but I remember somebody telling me that like, when we pray, like it's God has invited us to pray like it's god's it's like an invitation whenever we oh, yeah. feel i to pray it's like god has called you to prayer that's i've written about that too where like you know people yeah. think people think of prayer a lot of times especially people that are not spiritually mature they'll look at prayer it's almost like you're talking to a genie like almost like aladdin right and it's <laughs> yeah. like for me it's like no prayer is an invitation to come and speak to the creator of the universe right and, you know and it's yeah. like yeah like sometimes we're guilty of, of in my mind at least praying some pretty trivial prayers but like right. it's a 
it's, it's always fun. Like whenever I'm at a church setting and it's like, all right, who wants to pray for us? And everybody's just kind of quiet. I'm like, okay, I'll talk to God. It's fine. It's like, fine. It's, I'll talk to him. Yeah, you don't have to. It's so funny, but it's like, yeah, like, you know, the way that we approach prayer, it's, it should be like, yeah, we're getting to talk to the creator of the universe. And it's like, it's hard. Cause yeah, we, you know, we can't, it's not like we're talking like you and I, like, I know it's over video chat, but like, I can at least see you. And it's hard for people to like, you know, it's always funny to me. Like, this is, this is just kind of a commentary on Christian culture, but like, it's always funny to me, like to hear the, the different ways that people pray because you have the people that are just like super conversational. You have the people that started off like, Hey dad. And it's, are you, are you have the people that like every three, every three words, it's like, Amen. Hey, father, or it's like father. Or, like every father. three words, the father. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, if I was talking to you, I wouldn't be like Eric, every three words. It's like, I, yeah. just, I just try to, I just try, I just try yes, to talk to God normally. Like talk I do. Him. Yeah. I just try to talk to God normally. Like I do anybody else. It's just funny. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I'm not saying there's one right or wrong way to pray. It's just, it's mm-hmm. always funny to hear the, the different ways in which people You're pray. Right. So, well, Eric, thanks so much for coming onto the show, man. This was awesome. And I obviously wish you the best of luck as you know, the next year progresses, you know, as you're preparing to hopefully make it through the Olympics. But, you know, I think as, as we've talked about, I think no matter what happens, I, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're, you, you know, your foundation is in Christ. You know that your identity is in Christ. It's not necessarily if you make it to the Olympics or not. And yes. uh, I think hopefully that removes a lot of pressure from you. You know, I hope, I hope that's, uh, removes a weight off of your shoulder that maybe you didn't feel years ago whenever you tried. Yeah. To uh, yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, if people want to follow you or check out, you know, you have a swimming business down there in yeah. Tennessee, people that may be listening in the area, how can people yeah. connect you? It's uh, in the catch everywhere. So in like you're in and the, and then catch like you're catching water or catching a baseball and that's Instagram, Facebook, um, pretty much it's everything on there. So, okay. And I'll have, I'll have your links and stuff in the show notes. People can check those out as well. So absolutely. All right, man. Well, thank you and and best of luck. And it was awesome to catch up and yeah, best of luck going forward. We'll talk to you soon. Well, I so appreciate Eric being open and vulnerable about his past experiences and his career and obviously talking about how his faith has impacted who he is as a person and as an athlete. I hope you guys enjoyed this little two episode feature on Olympic athletes and what would have been the time of the 2020 Summer Olympics. Obviously, we're hoping we have those back next year, and these are two athletes that you can watch and hopefully root for if we get the Olympics next year. Hey, make sure you reach out to Eric and let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this episode. I will put his social media links in the show notes. Be sure to share this episode with anybody who you think might be interested as well. And as always, check out my newsletter. If you're not a subscriber yet, I would love for you to subscribe and be a part of that. I send those out every Monday morning. I just try to fill your inbox with some encouragement and some scripture and just some positive thoughts as you start your week. I am also on social media. I would love for you guys to give me a follow and connect with me there. I am Cole Claiborne on pretty much any social media platform. I would love to connect with you and hear your thoughts on the show. But as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great week and find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we will see you next week.